Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. So we have two Bible readings today, um, both in the book of Ephesians. So we're starting at Ephesians um, 3, verse 14 to 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now going to turn to chapter 6 verses, and read through verses 10 through to 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me that I will, be, uh, that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord God, give us a hunger for your word that it might feed us, that it might nourish us and give us strength and energy to live for you, to live boldly in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Who loves a bit of sport? The Commonwealth Games has begun. Yay. (laughs) It's not quite as big as uh, the Olympics or the other things, but hundreds of athletes have made their way to Birmingham. They've been preparing for years to represent their country and they've descended on the host city ready to run and swim and compete in all their sports for medals and glory. And amazingly, the airlines got them all there and most of their luggage. See, this is the tail end of the pandemic and airline operations haven't been going that smoothly. So there were a few stories of missing equipment. It's kind of hard to be a wheelchair athlete without a wheelchair. One or two instances of of damaged or missing wheelchairs. Uh, And the Indian table tennis team, I understand, uh, lost their bag somewhere in Europe. 
So they'll just be doing the, you know, the poor man's table tennis. In order to compete, each athlete needs to have trained and be equipped and focused on winning if they're to achieve success. Now, being at Ridley is not unlike athletic training. As you study and prepare to be more active in Christian life and ministry, you need the right equipment. You need the right vision to guide you. Javelins, hockey sticks, racing bikes, boxing gloves. They're not so much on our um, kind of shopping list of what you need to enrol at Ridley to kick off your semester, but there are some provisions, some protective equipment and a gospel vision which we find in Ephesians which is going to sustain us as we seek to grow in Christ and serve him in the world. So firstly, I want to look at provisions to sustain you. Um, I'm sure all of you have, have felt that actually getting to theological colleges has been a bit of a journey. Uh, even before you're taking your first lecture, you've got to find the time and the funds, uh, the, the need to be prayerful and have the support of family and friends and church. It's often a process that takes a long time and, and it, it can become a little bit uh, introspective as you focus on yourself and your application and your steps to get ready. But we need to be careful about putting ourselves at the centre of our vision of ministry. God calls us into his family, into his mission, to be gospel people who are on about Jesus more than we're on about ourselves. And although we didn't read from it, I want to start in Ephesians chapter 1. So you might want to flick back one page to Ephesians 1 and pick up uh, in this opening declaration of praise to God who has done so much for us. If we look from verse 4 onwards, we see we praise God for choosing us, predestining us, redeeming us, making known his will to us, incorporating us into Christ and sealing us with the Holy Spirit. Now notice that God did it all, Father, Son and Spirit, actively bringing people from death to life, from lost to found, so that we can join the chorus of people who live to praise him. And this, this dynamic movement, which is initiated and driven by the triune God, it's his mission. Mission is an invitation for people from all nations to be reconciled to God through the work of the Son by the power of the Spirit. And so to be drawn into relationship and into God's relational presence. Without God's saving work, we'd be nothing. And wherever God leads you and me, now and in the years ahead, the same is true. Without God's saving work, without the gospel, we have nothing of eternal value to offer. And so jump now to chapter 3, and we see that when Paul prays for the Ephesians, he prays that they would be strengthened, that they'd receive power from the Holy Spirit, verse 16, and that with Christ dwelling in their hearts, verse 17, they would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Their strength to face spiritual opposition is not fundamentally tied to their intellect, their gifts, their ministry skills. 
It's rooted and founded on Christ's love. Those words, rooted and founded, that's a gardening and an architectural illustration rolled into one. Try that for a mixed metaphor. So be like a tree with a root system that provides nutrients and stability, nutrients to survive a drought, stability to be able to weather storms and winds, and also be like a building with solid foundations that won't be shaken by earthquakes or other tremors. How do you do that? By holding on to the love of Christ, the love that took him to the cross. That is the thing that anchors your life. That is the thing to shape your identity and your certainty amidst the stress and the hard work that it takes to get equipped to serve God in his mission. And so when we grasp the extent, the the width, the length, the height, the depth of his love, verse 19 continues the prayer, then we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, for those of you who are new to Melbourne or newish to Melbourne, not locals, have you yet tasted the fullness of Melbourne's food culture? There's cuisines from pretty much every country in the world here. And just in case you had any doubt about how important food is, uh, just down the road in Flemington, that's where MasterChef set up shop. Now, I live in Box Hill, and so I have my choice of about 20 different establishments that will serve me one of my favourites, which is Jiaozi, Chinese dumplings, to warm your heart on a cold Melbourne day. And the thing about dumplings is that you don't know you've had too many (laughs) until you've had too many. (laughs) And uh, there's a lovely Chinese phrase, chabaola, I've eaten enough, I'm full. And, and you, you cry this to your overeager hosts as they keep plonking more dumplings in your bowl and force feed you because it's an act of hospitality. But the funny thing is, even after you gorge yourself on your favourite dumplings or whatever it is that takes your fancy, next day, yeah, hungry again. But when God fills you with his fullness, it's not like food fullness that fades. It's not like sporting achievements, which may well be forgotten Uh, by the next news bulletin or certainly in months or years ahead. It's not like Insta fame or celebrity status, which comes and goes at the whim of the social media mob. God fills us with his fullness of love demonstrated at the cross. See, only Jesus knows you completely and loves you absolutely and forgives you eternally and calls you to follow him faithfully. See, the love of Jesus is the provision we need for life today and every day. And Jesus is what we need to offer a hungry world. His endless love, his infinite mercy, his limitless grace, his open offer of life to the full. It's not about you. It's all about Jesus. So if you study and you end up serving others, drawing only from your reservoirs of uh, compassion or your reservoirs of learning or your preaching skill or your passion for justice, whatever it is that you draw on, eventually those things might run dry. But if you daily draw from God's fullness, from God's spirit, if you continue to prioritise prayer and worship, and your own growth in faith, faith. that's when you have access to provisions that never end. 
So keep Jesus at the center of your life and your study and your ministry. Now let's jump into Ephesians 6 and we'll see that as well as provisions to keep us well-rooted and well-grounded, God has given us protection for a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 verse 10 and 11, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. There are plenty of devilish schemes around the world today. There's warfare. There's economic behaviours that pursue profit and development irrespective of the environmental cost. I'm sure some of you have faced devilish schemes at the personal level. Some of you may have been caught in addictions or immorality or forms of selfish living. Some of you may know what it's like to be spiritually oppressed or possessed. The devil and his schemes take many forms. Evil can be seen in the tyranny of empires and and class structures and caste systems. Evil can be found in the corruption of politics and commercial life, where power gets abused and wealth concentrated and poverty entrenched. So who are we to counter the devil's schemes? Who are we to struggle against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil that are in the heavenly realms? We are those in Christ. And like a defensive military formation, our first task is to stand firm, to hold ground, to not be overwhelmed or tricked into retreating. And the kind of uh, protection we need is announced in verses 11 and 13. It's the full armour of God. Now, there are one or two Greek nerds amongst you today. You might like to ponder, is that full armour of God, is that a genitive of source or is that a possessive genitive? Is it the armour supplied by God or is it God's own armour? In Isaiah 59, verse 17, God himself is portrayed wearing similar items of armour. See, he sees rampant injustice amongst his people and the Lord himself put on righteousness as his breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. And there are times in scripture where God is a warrior. He brings salvation to his people. He fights for them. So we ask ourselves, is that the emphasis we find here in Ephesians? Well, actually, I think it it shades more towards the God who equips his people. And so uh, while it's true that this is God's own armour, which he has worn, I think here it's an invitation to to receive this armour from God, to be equipped with this armour. See, we know that God wants to establish his kingdom values of peace and love, faith, truth and righteousness, those elements of armour that are mentioned. But he doesn't just autocratically uh, impose them from on high. He models them in Jesus. We find them modelled in the other uh, apostles and faithful Christians that we meet in the pages of the New Testament. And then he invites us to put on these virtues, these kingdom qualities, this kingdom protective equipment so that we can fight against the devil's schemes. 
Now, at times, that fight might be very personal. It might be a battle that you are struggling against a particular temptation or vanity or doubt or greed. But at other times, it's going to be a very public stand that you need to take where you step into society and and you you champion people who are being denied justice and whose opportunity to find life in Christ is being limited by something. And so this armor supplied by God, I think it's both a gift from God and uh, a set of godly virtues that we need to, to pick up, that we need to train with, and then we need to put on and put into use. The items of armour Paul describes are the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of gospel readiness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. So thinking about truth, God's gospel is objective truth. God's righteousness imputed to believers by Christ's work on the cross. And so our, our faith, our peace, our salvation they are given by God as the fruit of Christ's saving work. That's good theology. You can learn that in in some of the classes here. That's good. But the flip side of that is that we have to respond. We have to grow in it. Having received grace, we don't just then say, oh, thanks, that's nice, I'll keep that to myself. See, character and integrity are vital and It's an indispensable ingredient for every Christian who is in any form of ministry, in any way that they serve. Can people look at us and see that we are people exhibiting these virtues, this truth and faith and righteousness? Now, doing justice is not the whole gospel, but simply declaring the words of the gospel without any practical demonstration of what that looks like personally or what that might have an impact on socially, that's also incomplete because God wants to renew our whole lives, not just our our thoughts and private beliefs. And so we need to live at peace with those we minister amongst. And that's really hard because Disunity is all around us and it's all within us. And, and I, I dare you to find a church where there's not a little bit of bickering and, and, and quarrelling and, and personal petty schemes that, that hinder the work of the gospel. So all of us need to be cultivators of truthfulness and justice and peace and faith. But we don't want to go too far and overemphasise deeds over words because The equipment that God provides, the armour he provides explicitly includes gospel shoes. Verse 15, the readiness to step out and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And verse 17, we have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, you'd know a sword can be used defensively. And what did Jesus do in the temptations after his baptism? He used the word of God defensively. But the sword of the spirit, the word of God, can be used offensively when we speak the words of the gospel to people who don't yet know and trust Jesus. And we invite them to believe and follow him and to join in the community of Jesus' followers, people who are set free from the devil's power. And Paul is a good role model in this. So he asks in verse 19 that his audience would pray for him so that whenever he speaks, words would be given him 
so that he would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So God, through his spirit, has not only called us all into ministry, but he has provisioned us for it and he will protect us in it. And lastly, I want us to think briefly about the goal that we set ourselves, the vision that motivates us. Commonwealth Games athletes are competing for medals, for sporting glory, for national pride and for personal victory. What vision does Paul give his readers? Well, back to Ephesians 1, it's this vision of God's saving work from creation to new creation. And it catches us up in the drama of salvation. And and so the result is that we're filled with hope, Paul says. And then in chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, Paul says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that's at work in us. The power that brings us from death to life, chapter 2 continues, and it gives us a place in heaven, that vision is what energises us so that we know we are already victorious. We're already celebrating. We're already seated with Christ in heaven. Chapter 2, verse 6. But God still has work for us to do. He's got good works prepared in advance for us to walk in. Verse 10. And then the second half of Ephesians 2 portrays another image. God is building his people, he's building you and I into a living temple. So chapter 2, verse 21 and 22. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So the church, the, the reconciled family that's drawn from diverse origins, united in Jesus, it's, it's like the Jerusalem temple, a stunning building, something visible from all around, a beacon meant to attract the nations to come and see and worship the one true God. See, that was the Old Testament hope. There would be a pilgrimage of Gentile worshippers converging on Zion. But in the New Testament, that vision gets flipped on its head or turned inside out because from the day of Pentecost onwards, It's not the flowing in of pilgrims, but the sending out of believers, each carrying the flame of God's presence dwelling within them. That's God's pattern for worship and witness to the nations. So here at Ridley, the equipping that you receive should make you beautiful. It should make you attractive. It should make you magnetic to those without Christ. Now, this this beauty isn't your physical looks or mine, thankfully. It's the knowledge and it's the, the change of God's love at work in our lives. It's the character traits that reflect the gospel, that are an embodiment of the gospel. That's the kind of equipping that undergirds a lifetime of fruitful ministry. Now, I love to see the athletes on the podium when they play the national anthems and some of the athletes tear up and I get that warm glow in my feeling when it's the Aussie flag, when it's other ones, you know. (laughs) They have beaming smiles. It is a joy to see. But something I love even more is seeing Christ's followers equipped and carrying out his mission in the world. 
So whatever part you're playing in that mission, whether it's singing or praying or preaching or, or doing puppets with the kids or visiting the sick or leading a Bible study, train hard. Take up the equipment that God has provided to provision you and protect you and shine like the sun for Jesus. Amen. Amen.